Welcome back, everybody. My name is Ruben Cuevas, host of Gathering Strength, author of Gathering Strength, Everything is Fuel. That's right, upwards and onwards. One place that you'll never find me is resting on those laurels. If you don't know what that phrase means, luckily for you, I created a podcast episode talking exclusively about how you do not want to be resting on those laurels. So go ahead and click on that search bar if you are interested in understanding what that phrase means and how to avoid resting on them. Click on that search bar, type in resting on your laurels, gathering strength, and I'm sure that that episode will pop up. After you listen to that episode, you can potentially compound your understanding on this podcast content. And next thing you know, you put them together, bada boom, bada bing, deeper understanding. Now in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my relationship with alcohol. Oh yeah. Jamie Foxx has an awesome song, Blame It On The Alcohol. (laughs) Can you relate? There are many, many times where I had to do exactly that. Blame it on the freaking alcohol. And now because I am going to be talking about my relationship with alcohol and when I pull on that thread, on that alcoholism thread in my life, man, I'm going to be pulling all the way back through my family consciousness, all the way back to my grandfather. Because as the old biblical narrative explains in the scripture, the blind will lead the blind. Some more biblical scripture that is in the same vein as that. In Ezekiel, I don't know what uh, chapter, but in somewhere in Ezekiel, it says that the parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. I'll be diving much more into that concept in a few more moments. But first, my relationship with alcohol. Now, I was about 34, 35 years old when I started to wake up a little bit more. I started to understand how the world worked just a a little bit more. And as a consequence, I started to understand how I worked a little bit more. I started to understand the moves that I was making and the consequences of taking those or making those moves. The good ones, the bad ones, were always doing something, right? Now, as I started to reflect on my life, I noticed, I was like, all right, here I am, 35 years old. At the moment of this recording, I'm 40 years old, so I have had five years of deeper understanding, which has resulted in tremendous flourishing because when you understand more about how things work, then you can navigate through life a little bit better. You can avoid all all of the pitfalls that were tripping you up and stumbling you into you know, pits, you can avoid all of those and make your life a little bit easier. Now, 35 years old, there I was doing something called introspection, looking at my life. And I would look at my life 
And I realized, I was like, you know what? For the last almost two decades, I have been drinking alcohol probably every single weekend. Now, I probably had my first sip of alcohol with a loser uncle as a ritual that that man probably thought was, you know, going to create a bond with his little nephew. I was, I don't know, maybe somewhere between 9 and 12. I don't know, that, that time frame is a little bit foggy, but... Me and my family, we used to get together over a aunt's or an uncle's house and all of the, the adults, they would just get hammered. Everyone would just get shit-faced, drunk, and inevitably, a fight would break out. So there I am with my young, impressionable mind being sculpted by a bunch of overweight, out-of-shape, obese alcoholics. Now, don't get me wrong. They were good people. But as that old adage goes, the blind will lead the blind. And when you're blind to something, you just don't know. Or maybe you do know, but you refuse to act in accordance with your higher being. And you numb it, and you neglect it, and you ignore it. And that creates a a, a whole other type of personal hell either way there I am drinking alcohol at a young impressionable age if I ever found out that there was a man or one of my family members giving my 10 year old son his first sip of alcohol let's just say that it's just not going to be good so there I am Going and embarking down my path of thinking that getting together and binge drinking is a normal part of life. And I do that unconsciously all the way until I'm 35. And I reflect on my life. I'm like, dang, I've been drinking every single weekend for for probably the past two decades. And I felt ashamed I was like, man, if that doesn't show a lack, a lack of growth, then I don't know what does. Now, I had attempted to, at the age of 35, I was like, you know what? All right, I realize this pattern. It is not good. And it is, it's going to be my choice to interrupt that pattern. So this weekend, guess what? I'm not going to drink. The weekend would roll around and guess what? I would give in. And I would just drink. I would feel bad. And then the rest of the week would go by. Like, all right, the weekend came and rolled around once again. I'm not going to drink. Undoubtedly, found the beers in my hand once again. And once again, I I let myself down. That cycle continued on for a whole nother year until... I signed up for a marathon. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? If I can't say no to a little beer, to a little impulse, then how am I going to say yes to strength? How am I going to say yes 
to running a marathon. How am I going to say yes when the going gets tough and I want to give up out on this long training run? How am I going to say yes to doing something that is really hard and say no to a little beer? How am I going to let a, a beer rule over my life so much that I can't even say no to it. Little did I know that a war would be waged. And I remember the first day or the first weekend that I went all weekend without having a drink. It was during the summer and one of my friends, he was performing uh, in the city that I live in, downtown Livermore, he was performing at an outside venue. And if you're not familiar with Livermore, it is a beautiful town. The downtown area is an awesome place to go and check out. There's live music. There's a great groups of people. It's family oriented. It's very nice. This was maybe about June or July. So it was very... It, it, it was hot, a nice evening to, you know, go downtown. And as I would go downtown prior, I would go and have a drink. This would, this would have been a great opportunity to kick back, catch a little buzz, watch some music and just chill out. But I had a marathon on the horizon and this was going to be the opportunity for me to say no to alcohol and yes to some strength. Now, I live right around the corner from downtown Livermore, so I'm like, all right, my buddy invited me downtown, and I'm going to hop on, I'm going to hop on my bike because just in case, just in case if I do give in to those impulses, I'm probably going to be buzzed and I don't want to get into my car and drive. So, I live right around the corner. I hop on my bike and I pedal down and I bring a bottle of water because there is a concept of a bad habit being hard to break simply because we're used to, you know, like a, a gesture. When we're just standing or sitting around, it's kind of common for us to just want to fidget with something. And what better thing to fidget with than, than a beer, than your glass, or, you know, just whatever it is. If you are a smoker, you know, you're, you're going to want to go through that repetitive motion of flicking the ash or holding a cigarette in in between your fingers when it comes to alcohol or drinking when you're kicking back you you want to drink right so i brought a water bottle i hopped on my bike and i'm down there and i'm kicking it just for a little bit and i told myself i was just gonna keep it short and sweet and i'm down there the sun is shining there's great music lively crowd you know just an awesome environment i park my bike i grab my water bottle and i'm just kicking it at one of the bar stools with my water bottle conversating and um i'm totally in my head i'm like don't drink a beer nope don't drink a beer nope don't give in room i probably hang out for about 40 minutes get back on my bike and i head home and during that ride home, I felt powerful. I felt strong. I felt proud that I didn't give in to that old habit. 
to the old habit that was no longer serving me. As a matter of fact, it was stifling my growth. It was an anchor in forward progress. And at that moment, I just set sail, uh, uh, pulled up the anchor, and I was on my way. Now, after, when I got home, there was still some sun left, some sunlight left in the day. So what do I do? Throw on my running shoes, and I go for an eight-mile run. And I felt really good. I felt good because I said no to alcohol, which I know exactly where that would have led me. One beer would have led me to two. Two beers would have led me to three. Three beers would have led me to shit-faced. Shit-faced would have led me to a taco stand. The taco stand would have led me to being at home Gorged out of my mind and just with the hangover. And then I would have woken up the very next day sluggish, lethargic, unenergized, unmotivated, probably, maybe, likely would have skipped out on a workout. And then there goes that cascade of the down world habits working against me. But that didn't happen. I interrupted the pattern. I said no to alcohol. I said yes to an eight-mile run. And I was like, man, what a what like a psychological breakthrough. And that was confidence. That was confidence that I earned for myself. And that is the only way that you can really build confidence is by doing the things that you know are beneficial for you. When you identify something that is working against you and you continuously do it, it makes you weaker, your problems get bigger, and that is not a recipe for success for anybody. Now, when I said no to that, uh, to that temptation of drinking alcohol, guess what? That momentum carried forward. The very next weekend, I didn't drink. The very next weekend after that, I didn't drink. Months, uh, one month went by, didn't drink. And you know, when that one month went by, it wasn't just like I locked myself in the house. Like I was still out. There were still birthday parties. There were still weddings. There were still barbecues. But every single time I gained my strength, I gained confidence. And soon enough, Being able to say no, that was just simple. And there came a epiphany, a moment of clarity for me. It was at my little daughter's birthday. And this was the first time that I experienced this from an outsider's perspective. It was my daughter's birthday. And usually I would have an ice chest full of beer, right? Stereotypical, hey, let's go and get hammered at a little kid's birthday party. (laughs) Sounds fun enough, right? Beer, barbecue, a piñada. That's how me and my family always did it. Just get shit-faced hammered at a little kid's birthday party. But not that year. Rather than having the ice chest full of ice-cold beers, I had it full of ice-cold, fizzy, bubbly waters. And I came to realize I was noticing myself. I was like, all right, I have this ice chest full of 
ice cold sparkling water. And I, as the birthday party was going on, I had one sparkling water. 20 minutes would go by, I cracked open another sparkling water. Another 20 minutes went by, another sparkling water was consumed. I probably had about nine sparkling waters. And I came to realize that binge drinking for me is just a habit. If the beers would have been in that ice chest, I would have had nine beers. If the ice chest was filled with sparkling water, which it was, then I had nine sparkling waters. And there's something about drinking sparkling water for me, which kind of helps me feel like the same bite. When you're drinking from an IPA or a soda, it is that carbonation that really gives you that, ah, when the bubbles hit the back of your throat, that's when you get that, ah, moment. And you're like, mm, that, that tastes good. And I don't know what it is about bubbles, but when you add bubbles into any element, whether it's in a club, if you go to a club and there's bubbles, like, man, hey, this is popping. Little kids at a birthday party, they love bubbles. And when you put bubbles into water, there's something about that water where it's like, hey, now we're having a party. It is, it's party time. No matter where you're at, if you are trying to quit drinking alcohol if, or if you're trying to quit drinking soda, I would encourage you to try some sparkling water because that helps, that helped me. And if it helped me, it might be able to help you. So try that out, see how it feels on you and let me know if that works. Now with the... Momentum being gained by saying no to that drink on that fateful weekend. Well, I've built myself up some tremendous momentum. And I went, let's see, one year, seven months, and 24 days without consuming alcohol. That means that I said no to alcohol at the end of all of all of these marathons that I ran, I said no to alcohol at the graduation parties, at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, on Easter, on all of the birthdays, everywhere, everywhere I, I said no to alcohol. And I tracked it, my, my consuming habits, on an app. There's an app called I Am Sober, and I calculated my average my average consuming habits and for like a ballpark figure I entered in like hey I would drink three beers three beers a week one beer Friday Saturday Sunday sometimes it would be more sometimes it would be less but I was like all right prior to that I didn't drink like too much it was you know primarily on the weekends like I said status quo drinking just like everyone else so I was like, all right, on average, three beers a week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And those beers averaged $8 a month or $8 per week. Eight times three is $24, $24 per week. So at the end of one year, seven months, 24 days of not drinking, I saved uh, $2,000. To be exact, it's $2,060.57. Now, 
Once again, another analytic to measure was time. So I try to figure a ballpark. I was like, all right, one beer takes me one hour to drink. You know, I, I, I guess I kind of factored in driving to the store, browsing the, the alcohol aisle, driving back and nursing a hangover. So three beers takes me three hours to consume on average. And that saved me. 257 hours of not drinking, which is equivalent to 10 days. If I would have just kept on that path of mindlessly drinking, I would have spent an extra $2,060 and spent 10 extra days of just drinking alcohol. Now, there is this concept of true cost of ownership as it pertains to buying a new car. For example, if you buy a BMW, the true cost of ownership for that vehicle is much more expensive because all of the high-end parts that it takes to maintain that vehicle. Therefore, that vehicle, the true cost of ownership, let's say you buy a BMW, I'm gonna say $30,000. Well, over the course of 10 years or for however long you keep it, you might end up paying $35,000 when it comes to the tires, the brakes, and all of the other maintenance that it takes to upkeep that vehicle. That $30,000 vehicle turns into uh, $45,000, $50,000. Now, those numbers might not be as accurate as possible. I'm just throwing numbers out there to provide a example now the true cost of ownership for you and your habits and me and my alcohol habit well over the course of one year seven months and 24 days my true cost of ownership for consuming alcohol saved me two thousand sixty dollars and an extra 10 days now hey how does that look over the course a freaking two decades because this is just the numbers for one year, seven months, 24 days. Now, I would encourage you to add up your habits and see what they're costing you. And maybe it might be more than what you were bargaining for. Now, here is the interesting thing that I experienced while embarking on that journey of saying no to alcohol. Socrates, he has a great quote. He has two words that lead to a abundance of, of topics to talk about. Know thyself. Now, I noticed that the last three to four months of me abstaining from drinking alcohol, I started to get nervous. I started to get scared. And I started to like really look at alcohol as like a monster, almost kind of like a snake, almost something that can devour me. And I started to reflect on my life a little bit more. I started to project into the future and I started to think about it. My journey with alcohol and the spirit that I have and the goals that I have and the type of person that I am and the type of person that I want to become. And I started to think, I was like, you know what? Do I want to go my entire life being afraid of alcohol? 
do I want to not be able to raise up a toast and a cheers with somebody, anybody in a respectable and responsible manner? Do I want to go my entire life without enjoying responsibly a glass of wine, a beer? Do I want to go my entire life without this luxury, this this little simple pleasure? Now, I understand that when you play with fire, you're bound to get burned. When you give the devil an inch, he takes a mile. And so I start to think to myself, I'm like, hey, do I do I want to give in to that? Initially, my main goal was to break the pattern of a repeated behavior that I identified for myself that was self-sabotaging. Now, with one year, seven months, 24 days under my belt, I would say mission accomplished. I took the power back. And now, some weird way, that power was starting to morph into fear. Like I said, I was starting to become anxious around situations where people were drinking. And then check this out. Last August, I had booked an all-inclusive trip for me and my family to Mexico. All of the shows at the hotel, the pools, the activities, all of the food, the buffets, the smoothies, all of that was paid for all-inclusive. And guess what comes with the all-inclusive package? That's right, alcohol. So I started to think to myself, I'm like, you know what? I have one more marathon to complete. Like, I... I had the San Francisco Marathon in July. And so I said to myself, I was also going to be turning 40 in September. And I was like, do I want to wait until my 40th birthday to have a a, a beer? Because, like I said, I was starting to, to fear alcohol. And that's not a good feeling to feel because alcohol is everywhere. It's really not a big deal. Alcohol, it is neither good nor bad. It is all on the individual perspective on how they perceive it. Here I am starting out as wanting to take the power back from alcohol. And now it had morphed into alcohol was like turning into something. So I'm like, I don't want to live my life in fear of alcohol. I booked the trip to Mexico. We're down in Mexico. We're swimming in the pool. My son gets a a, a virgin a lava flow. And I got myself a little beer. And I enjoyed the beer in Cabo with my shirt off in the pool, swimming with my family. And I was like, it's all good. This little beer, whatever it is, let's say, you know, your dragon to slay is, I don't know, Snickers or Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. I don't want to live my life in fear. I don't want to live my life feeling incapable of enjoying these pleasures on on this earth. I know what is good for me. Or at least I think I know what is good for me. And I know what is bad for me. You can do 
anything responsibly, it's all about the overindulging, the overindulgence. If things start to get out of wiggity wiggity whack, then you have the power to be able to reflect on your life, figure yourself out, and move forward. Now, I had a few drinks in Cabo, and that was in August. And then check this out. Hey, here is where the devil takes his mile, right? Because I, I, I let him in. That uh, when you give the devil an inch, he takes a mile. So that was in August, like. And then I had a, a, acquaintance throw like an end of the year, birthday birthday bash or end of the year, uh, summer summer bash or something like that, and I ended up getting hammered. So much hammered that I end up like sleeping half the night on my freaking lawn. And my, and my kids saw that. And I was like, damn. I woke up once again feeling those all too familiar feelings. And I was just like, this sucks. What did I do? Right? You know, I beat myself up. I learned a lesson. And it's one of those things where... You know better. But sometimes, I don't know, sometimes every now and then it's good to let your wild man hairs blow in the wind. It's good every now and then to tear off your blouse and howl at the moon (laughs) and sleep shit-faced on your front lawn. (laughs) I'm not condoning that. But it is what it is. My relationship with alcohol has progressed to where I am the one in control. I say when and where I'm going to have a drink responsibly. If I want to have a drink, then I'll have a drink. If I don't want to have a drink, then I don't have to have a drink. Whereas before, I was just blindly consuming alcohol just because that is simply how I always did it. To begin to draw these curtains close on this podcast episode, I'm going to encourage you to take inventory of your life, see where you are giving away your power to that little thing that is holding you back, and then I'm going to say, hey, gather your strength, take that power back, absorb it, and use that time, energy, and effort into something that is going to propel you forward. And if you should trip, stumble, fall and fail and miss your mark, that's all good. Hey, don't beat yourself up too bad. Go ahead and kick your ass a little bit, but don't beat yourself up too bad. You are human. You're made to experience the whole wide range of emotions and experiences that the human is is expected to feel. You're not perfect. Don't strive for perfection. Even lessons can be learned in failing. So, hey, go out. Play with some fire. Go play hopscotch on the busy freeway. And (laughs) undoubtedly, just be open and willing to learn from the lessons so that you can gain a deeper understanding of yourself and of how the world works. 
That'll do it for today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, it's onward. Always onward.